this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hey, everybody. We are uh, talking about baldies. I'm not sure what order these will come out in, so we'll just uh, fuck it. Go right into it. Uh, this category is meta. These are things that are trends we see uh, affecting the entertainment landscape and what I mean, it's just honestly, it's like it. shit that I wanted to talk about that has no it's, place. It's talking about pa- podcast anywhere else. It's talking about television and movie coverage, pop culture coverage. Yeah, pretty much. Um, That's why it's called meta. Mm-hmm. Let's see. What's the so you like binge mode better than Beyond Stranger Things or oh what we have do to think rank them? Yeah, I definitely know. think we should put Amazon movies below Netflix movies. So I think you're the one that really want to talk about Beyond Stranger Things slash Talking Dead. Um, I've got some thoughts on it as well. I want to hear your opening opening salvo. Yeah, I mean it was something I watched this year, not Talking Dead. Let's let's get that straight. I watched Beyond Stranger. I Things. did watch half of a Talking Dead. It's true. I watched about a minute and a half of each one yeah. after our live watches <laughs> um but i watched the entirety of beyond stranger things and i i mostly enjoyed it like those those shows are always like a little dubious to me as far as their their quality and their value right um but when you have something like beyond stranger things where the the actors are there to just kind of get together and talk about the show i feel like that's kind of cool whereas talking dead is more of like it feels more for the fans, which is weird to say because I know Beyond Stranger Things is too, but Talking Dead, it almost feels like they're talking to the fans instead of having a conversation with themselves. Yeah. Um, to me... Or, or it's more of a... It's, it has more of a farce quality to it. To me, Beyond Stranger Things has the feel of a Blu-ray extra, mm-hmm. whereas Talking Dead is more just... It feels like marketing. It just feels like straight-up marketing to me. Or, or So... I've long said that I think where all of this pop culture entertainment and criticism is going is the ESPN model, where, like, Talking Dead is going to be seen as, like, uh, the the big after show game, mm-hmm. or the big after game show. Uh, you know, the we, we've just won, uh, or someone's just lost, and we're going to talk about it and how that impacts things and how that changes our understanding of the league, and we're going to bloviate, and we're going to have obvious opinions, and we're going to shout at each other, and... And we're we're going to piss off a lot of fans. We're going to delight others, and we're just going to just generate a, a maximum media entertainment. And then I think Beyond Stranger Things is like an ESPN, not a documentary, but when they like sit down and have interviews with a quarterback or the defensive coordinator, or the head coach, and they try to get like in a little deeper. Yeah. You know, it's actually more informative and less in the moment. Right. And I think there's room for both of those. And I think Mm -hmm. Bald Move fits in as part of that. But, like, yeah, I think that it would not surprise me if in 10 years there is a there is an entertainment network and maybe it's on YouTube. Maybe it's not on cable that is 24 seven talking about television. There's reality. There's there's a reality hour. There's a drama hour. There's a comedy hour. There's what's coming there's every show has a 30 minute after show like i think that i think that'll i don't see what's going to stop that 
Um, yeah, and I'm trying to figure out where that fits into like our coverage of television. We're, right? We are like, do we cover the shows that cover shows like that? <laughs> I think we are those shows, but, but we certain to certainly to a degree. But, yeah, but we don't fit I mean, into either one of those because we are. It's because sure. this is something. This is something that doesn't that the ESPN doesn't really have the whole like two days after the big game. Mm-hmm. Let's have two, and they're not even because let's have two knowledgeable fans break down the film footage and say what works, what doesn't. Now that's a show right. I would fucking watch. Like I feel <laughs> like they have access to the coaches' cam. They're uh-huh. not coaches. They're not insiders. They're not former players. Although maybe they can provide. Some, but but two fans that are they're students of the game break it down at that that kind of intermediate level understanding. Mm-hmm. Now the scary thing is why hasn't ESPN done something like that? Is it because the NFL doesn't want to cooperate? It's because uh, they're they're secretive and insiderish? Is it because the outsider's view is just not that important in the grand scheme of things? But mm-hmm. I think it's weird because like outsider's view of politics, outsider's view of science, all that other stuff is like gar- like has almost no value at all. But entertainment is so low stakes and so accessible. I almost think it does. Yeah, it's weird to me. Like I'm. I'm trying to compare this to the way that other award shows do it. Because, like, let's say there are 15 of these, right? There's Mm -hmm. one for every single show that we cover throughout the year. Do we have, at some point, a category that is, like, best after show, best talk show based on a show? And and I guess I would see that as, like, a useful, warranted thing. But, like, I don't don't ever see anybody doing that. Like, if you look at, like, games awards and stuff, right? They Mm -hmm. don't don't really honor, like – best studio or best hmm. publisher they for don't? the year or whatever. But they surely, there's got to be a they category are, like, for best, best games. games journalism or best best new YouTube series or like Giant Bomb has never won the award for like video game coverage. I, I don't or... think anybody does that kind of stuff. Hmm. No, like awarding the people well, who cover the... What's well, weird it, about this it is... This is weirder because it's not even like the people who are covering yeah. it, right? It's But that's because at some level you get... You, you you get to where it's not turtles all the way down, right? Uh-huh. So let's say they do the best show about a show. Yeah. Then is there a best show about the show that's about the show? And who judges? But nobody's that? right. Nobody's covering Beyond Stranger Things and talking about like that show in detail. No, but there's maybe some, eventually someone does. But I know because you know we've got a lot of like. Just like people have inspired us, like Bill Simmons mm-hmm. and, and uh, Jay and Jack kind of inspired us. We've inspired others, and I've become aware of a me- of a of a, a meta level of fandom mm-hmm. where you know they discuss our opinions about the show in like groups and stuff. And we, yeah. you know, hell, we have one in the forums, and that's always surreal to see people debating what I meant about my comments and stuff. But like, I feel like. It would almost have to be a people's choice because the second you started, like, like, is there, could there be a podcast about the Walking Dead podcast? Could there be a podcast about the Game of Thrones podcast? Well, I think there's got to be a hierarchy, right? Like, we wouldn't be the ones awarding best podcast yes, on a TV right. That's show. That's where I was getting it. It'd be yeah. the next, the next in line would be like best podcast on a TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there are lists out there already. Like oh yeah, that. yeah. Like there's a podcast awards and they have those categories. Right. But, but nobody's talking about like, oh, what's the best after show yet? And that's kind of where my head's at going into the new year, where 
we may see, you know, we see a lot of these things. Because mm-hmm. um, you got After Buzz. You got the, the Mr. Robot after show. You got the Mr. Yeah. But those, see, and you also have to draw a distinction between the ones that are official and the ones that are unofficial. Right, right. Because I think that the official ones have more access, but frequently the unofficial ones are more interesting. Now, that's my bias because I'm an unofficial. Well, I, I think they they are necessarily um, less biased. I mean, I don't think that any network is going to let you get on the screen on their airtime and say, fuck USA, they made a terrible Mr. Robot season, yeah. or fuck The Walking did, did, Dead. Did anyone ever, in Beyond Stranger Things, probably not, because they, I'm sure they recorded that, they had to record it in advance of the release of the season, but was there any discussion about the seventh episode and how that was such a fundamentally change of... Because I, I, I watched no, the first four I, and I stopped. It, it, they they, started they talk about how different it is, but they don't talk... They they probably wouldn't even if they had this kind of like foresight be able to talk about like how the fans reacted to it. Yeah. See, because I think that's to me a, a miss. Like yeah. if I was the, uh, but that's not the their principal. Job, I if, I, if I was the dean, right? Uh, I think one of the jobs my jobs would be is like okay, this is before. I mean, it's hard to do with Talking Dead because it's already out and people are reacting on Twitter and everything. But like it's it's this laboratory experiment where it hasn't been unleashed. You guys knew you took a risk, or you guys you knew you broke, broke the format, or you made mm-hmm. uh, a tough editing choice when you decided to not thread this and make it its own. Yeah. Like, what do you guys think about? Were you worried at all? Were you like, and I would like to hear that before it's tainted by any outside information. Like, what all? Or because sometimes I think everything's maybe cocksure and they just made these decisions. But I bet a lot of times those those decisions are kind of torturous because there is. It's kind of like when we make internal decisions about bald move. Like, mm. fuck, it's just us two. We try to make our best guess, and we put it out there, and yeah. it either sinks or swims. But, you know, uh, I'm sure the Duffer Brothers uh, take Stranger Things at least as seriously as we do the bald move business. Sure. Yeah, I would so, hope so. And the other thing is, is like it's interesting that after shows about things that are universally lauded are easier than after shows about things that are divisive. Absolutely. Because, like, if Stranger Things were a worse show their glibness and self-congratulations and cute stories on a set would seem Mm -hmm. saccharine and jarring rather than, oh, look at these kids. They're so cute. And, oh, it's their first kid. And, like, you know. Yeah, no, it's the the contrast between Talking Dead. And it's kind of why I mentioned these two. Beyond Stranger Things and Talking Dead could not be more different in that regard. Yeah. Like, everybody involved in The Walking Dead, in Talking Dead, knows that the fans are unhappy, by and large, with the show they're making. And yet they pretend as if nothing is wrong. Another comparison is if you look at the behind-the-scenes information about the prequel trilogy of Star Wars versus the behind-the-scenes documentaries about the like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh-huh. Like one, like e- even though this is an official thing that was produced by Lucasfilm, like there is quiet desperation all over the fucking place. Right, you can and see you can't it. Hide it with editing. You can see it when, like, when you film George coming through and stamping face des- alien face designs. You can see in the artist's faces, and then you compare that with the guy who's like joyously grinding his eleven hundredth orc sword, and you know it's like. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't hide it. If you do if you do any kind of behind the scenes stuff, uh, you're going to catch that. Like you're going to catch those whiffs of oh, this might not have been the most fun thing to work on, or mm-hmm. just like I think you can see in the tightness of Chris Hardwick's eyes sometimes. Sure, the yeah. whole like oh god, I'm willingly putting yeah. myself in this stockade for tomatoes and stones to hit my face. I... All right, um, where do you think? 
I, I'm just trying do, to figure out, does, does it have a future as a category? Because there are going to be more and more of these. I know of at least three this year, um, a couple of which I, well, one of which I thought was good and two of which I thought were marginal. Uh, Can I have a selfish opinion? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't want it ever to be a bald move category because I don't want to commit to watching this shit. Okay, yeah. Like, maybe it could be a user category, but I, like, I want to have the freedom that if I really enjoy something, and as a fan, because that's the other thing, is, like, the difference between us and, like, critics is I don't I don't have to watch every fucking screener that someone sends me. I was going to say, that's the good thing about the baldies is you don't. <laughs> like, right. This is not about like what was the best on but I, TV can I, this year. It, am I ever going to see a year? I mean, I don't know because I listen to a lot of podcasts. Right. But what I found is the deeper I get into bald move, the less podcasts I listen to about like general pop culture, and the more I get into other side interests that have nothing to do because I, I spend right forty plus hours a week watching, engaging, reading mm-hmm. pop culture takes. So like in my free time, so I don't know. Like I. I would be I, I can't see a year where we'd have more it's kinda of like the documentaries. Sometimes maybe it's one of those categories where in a year where there's a lot of interesting after shows we can talk about it, but then if we haven't watched a bunch, then it just kinda of submarines and goes away. Sure. I don't want to make it like a best drama, a Baldi's drama where like every fucking year we have to crown a winner and there's a field of twenty or thirty that go through and so yeah, I guess it gets more conspicuous that we're not doing it as more of these shows come up, though. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like if we just sort of stuck with the weekly format, even though Netflix was dropping seasons at a time, um, it would get more and more conspicuous that we're behind the times. Right, right. I, I want to keep ahead of this stuff and, like, figure out how to address it. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's a question for, like, when Bald Move starts growing, when yeah. we have more employees that can, you know, contribute to the Baldies. Instead of just us two having to do it all. Yeah, that would be that would be that. Ultimately, that's the answer for a lot of these things. The fact it's an answer, but it's a, it raises a lot of questions too. Like, how do yeah. we determine the winner when who gets multiple people and... are voting, and some of us and the majority of us haven't seen a show? And right. like, but that's yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, that's one of the problems with like the Oscars and the Emmys is that you've yeah. got this. Theoretically, the Oscars and Emmys should be the most relevant because it's the people insider in the industries that are like you know people making high art judging other high art but in practice you get a bunch of busy overworked people that don't have time to watch anything in the current zeitgeist because they're busy making you know whatever the the latest paul thomas anderson movie or whatever or you've got has-beens that are out of touch and you know and, and there's money by the way should we make i mean that we'll say that for an out intro but we still have not received a bag of money we st- no, we have not received a bag there's of money. This, there's the canary in the, the bank the bank vault. <laughs> right. Uh, Maybe it's, next it's year is chirping. the year where we – either A, here's what I know is going to happen. We're uh-huh. going to forget to say it one year. I, I, <laughs> it's I, I not going to be because we're taking I money. I can't wait. Just... And, I, I'm, and I, I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, someone can write a tell-all book about the spreading corruption, corruption of We're going to have some fires to put out. Uh, we talked a little about binge mode over the year, but do we want to talk about binge mode as a pop culture phenomenon? If you don't know, yeah. binge mode is a podcast that Jason and Mallory over at The Ringer, which is Bill Simmons' newest uh, media enterprise. Uh, they were often appearing on the the short lived After the Throne show on HBO. Oh, shit, that's another one. Uh, he was yeah. the well, it, it got axed last year. Uh, it he was the maester on The Ringer. 
uh, uh, and they they did a where the what the, the the story that I've heard is that they essentially locked themselves in a conference room in the Ringer Hall in the Ringer office and literally binged Game of Thrones and recorded a podcast for every episode, and they mm-hmm. did in the off season leading up to season season seven. Is this a thing? Is this a thing that can so, be easy? Because yeah. you know, one of the things that we found, that one of the principles we found on a bald move was identify how other people could eat our lunch and try to get at the table first. So uh, this, this I, is a potential way that people could eat our lunch. Mm-hmm. Is it? Nah. Is it something we need to worry about? Is it something I, I mean, replicated? Uh, something different from what we're doing, certainly. But I think there are there are pros and cons to this thing, right? Like know. the pro to me is that it provides potentially better coverage as you go through the season so like we this year we did season two in retrospect of game of thrones right we did the rewatch and we went through and i watched every episode of season two and we did a podcast on it but fuck me if i remember when things happen or what has already happened at that point right Mm -hmm. but we watched season one a year ago Mm -hmm. between then i've watched season seven now I'm going back to season two. It's all kinds of fucked up. And in my head, I can't keep anything straight. Hmm. So I, the thing that binge mode in my mind has going for it is that it it provides continuity, I guess, yeah. for the podcasters. And you can go, you can go, like when we do the Stranger Things binge mode stuff, mm-hmm. um, I end up feeling like I've done a better job covering the series because I have all of it fresh in my mind. Right. Um, especially this year when we did season one right into season two. Right. I was like, okay, I know, like I know everything about this show. Yeah. yeah. Someone asked you to write down a timeline. But do you think... Right. I mean, because I, mean, I want to push back a little bit on that. You really don't think you'd remember what season Battle of the Blackwater happened or what season The Red Wedding happened or... Because um, I've got like big... I, not those things, but the minor things. Like, yes, the big milestone benchmark episode, right. sure. Like hard home, okay. I know when that happened. But when but Varys, if you're asking me, Varys, yeah, when Littlefinger when like, does Varys did this recruit Roz into his spy network? No fucking idea. Yeah. So it's not the big things. Obviously, it's the little things. Yeah, and the little things which are what add usually, a lot of color to your. Yeah, and then the little things are what you know you get you get nailed on for being a supposed subject matter right. expert yeah. and failing on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it has that advantage, and and it has others. Do you? But the other thing is like think? I. I I think it's one of those lightning in the bottle type situations where the ringer was a relatively new enterprise. These were, these are relatively new talents and they had a single passion. Like these guys, uh, these guys, this guy and gal was, were really geeked about game of Thrones had a very deep knowledge and they had a lot of fun doing it together. Now they're doing binge mode weekly. Mm-hmm. So now they're in the pop culture potpourri lane how the hell are they ever going to do another binge mode? I mean, I, I've heard that they are going to do another binge mode, but it's one of those things where you can't do it on the same show. And and it's and like you either like, have to keep Jason. It's here. You either have to keep Jason and Mallory as the binge mode team, uh-huh. and they're they're detached. They're like a special forces thing where they just drop in and they consume four seasons of television. Like they could do a binge mode of Mr. Robot. That actually might be what they're doing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they could you know in a couple seasons do binge mode Westworld or or, or whatever and then they're always free to do that. But the problem with that is, are, are, are Jason and Mallory as geeked about Mr. Robot as they are about Game of Thrones? Or 
you they they start you know like like since there's not everything since there's not another Game of Thrones that they can binge mode all the time they have to start picking their poison and like you know get start just covering general sci-fi fantasy and then they're less free to do the binge mode stuff it's the same thing yeah. like you know bald move kind of gets in like the the weekly stuff gets in gets in the way of the longer term big picture things you want to do especially when your team is small so like mm-hmm. I don't know that it's replicatable because you can't just take I mean that's you can't just take two, uh, several random fans, or maybe not even fans, some random personalities, and tell them, "Hey, do a deep dive on this series," mm-hmm. because that's kind of like the after buzz approach, and it's like, eh. And you also can't take two people that are passionate about a single subject and then throw them on either a different subject or a re- semi-related subject and be like, "Hey, you love Star Wars? Now do a deep dive on Star Trek. Now do a deep dive on Battlestar Galactica. Now yeah. do a deep dive on the Expanse." Like, okay. And you also can't re-binge the same show that you are passionate right, about. Right, right. Because what the fuck does that look like? Right. Every season we're going to re-binge the whole series. And, and that's the other, yeah, you, and you also, like, so now do they go through, I mean, I know they did season seven, but, like, when season eight comes back. Now they're just they're a weekly con- show like us. Their continuity yeah. has been broken, so. Their format's gone. Um, and, I, I mean, and it's a great, after the fact, yeah. a binge mode podcast becomes just a regular podcast, right? Because yes. all of our back catalog is bingeable. You right. can sit down and you can binge every single episode. It's not back to the, back to back. the thing it misses is it doesn't have the like like the, the backward about. looking and forward looking throughout the whole yeah. like what 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 lives and breathes throughout the whole thing. But then again, unless you're doing that on a show that already has aired, which is going right. to be not as popular. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's one of those weird edge cases because way back when when we were first doing Bald Move professionally, I had this idea of this pop culture college where. A person would sit and make ten to fifteen minute supercuts of seasons of television that would give you the bare, uh, the bare minimum in a very fast and entertaining way of the plot points and the character developments. So the, theoretically, the 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 main use is going to be like cliff notes. Okay, um, a, a season, a new season is about to start. It's been eighteen months since you saw the last one, so watch this hour and fifteen minutes, and it will and you will be fully refreshed to enjoy it at a maximum. Mm-hmm. The the other use case was like I am eight seasons behind on Game of Thrones. All my friends talk about Game of Thrones. I want to know enough to talk about it intelligently. I'm going to use the Cliff Notes to cheat, and then you know there's all kinds of edge cases. But I I feel like that that's a little bit related to binge mode. Binge mode just took it to an nth degree because except they did long form stuff. They did a long form, which the the short form. the drawback of that is. I think binge it's mode, not bingeable, <laughs> right? Binge, binge mode only appe- appeals to the super hardcore fans. Well, I, I, I misspoke. It is it is very bingeable. Um, you can listen back to back to back to back, but it will take you a very long. It's not time compressed, right? To get through it, right? Right. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, there there are two different approaches, obviously. But I I think yes, like financially, I'm I'm curious to see what binge mode does because, um. That's a format that kind of lends itself to flash in the pan kind of feeling. Like mm. you you fire up a new show on the last season of you know, let's let's do a binge mode for the final season of this show. Mm-hmm. We caught all these new listeners. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, yeah, that was the last season of the show. Right. Shit. There are all of our listeners are gone now when we move on to our new show. Right. Because they don't care about the Sopranos or 
Battlestar Galactica. Whatever. And if we pick a new show to get him excited about. Then you about, can't binge it. Like, what are you going to do? And if you get a new show, just like I said, are, is, are these people the audience? Because like, that's the thing. Right. Like, you they know, might a lot not of people, come along with you. Hey, I like Jim and Aaron. I want them to cover my favorite TV show. Well, Jim and Aaron doesn't give a shit necessarily about your favorite tv show they give a shit about their favorite tv show exactly and, yeah. and like if you want to come along with this great but a lot of time i mean that a lot of time we shed massive amounts of audience when we move from one show to the other yeah it's a very small core nucleus of people probably watching this video that that like follow us no matter you know where where we go so i it's definitely a cool concept. It was yeah. lightning in a bottle. It was very exciting. I was very happy for Jason and Mallory. They seemed like decent people, and I liked. I actually listened to a few because that's yeah. You know, before Game of Thrones started, I had a little bit of time, and and I tried to try out the field, um, and I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's it's like how can we roll that into bald move? That's that's a little bit tougher. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I don't know that that binge mode idea where you go back and watch like a lot of episodes of a show i don't think will work for us because a we don't have the time we're but two people um and b we just don't do a lot of back catalog coverage right like we at most will like binge a season to get caught up to season two because we missed a show that was awesome in yeah. its debut and yeah. it just wasn't on our radar you know right and that like stranger things yeah we, we did that we went back and binged it but that was one season, and it was kind of the exception to the rule. So, I I don't know if like binging five seasons of a thing will or of a show will ever be a thing for us. Yeah. Uh, what to do? Are we? I'm I'm assuming we're ready to move on. Yeah. What yeah, to yeah. do about Netflix slash Amazon movies? That's so it, tough. Oh, well, with Amazon movies, you can just ignore them, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> what is it about Amazon that just isn't hitting the zeitgeist like Netflix? Well, because I don't think Amazon has bald had mo- bad shows. No, no, I think and, it's and I've just heard, not... there's a lot of them that get like you know a lot of well regarded. Uh, high cast, man in the high castle, man in the high castle, transparent, um, right? Transparent. What? So I don't know. That's fair. It, it it certainly hasn't captured our imagination, and I think it's because there is a limited amount of sources that you can pay attention to. Sure. For yeah. example, I really liked American Gods on Stars. Ask me the last time I watched Stars. This season it was finale Ash of season Dead. one, American. <laughs> so, like, if Stars has something new and awesome, I have to hear about it from the Seppenwalds, the Greenwalds, the Bald Move fans of the world, or yeah. I'm not because I'm. I, I they didn't convert me into a watcher. And the same thing with Amazon. I Amazon is what I do hit up when I want to watch something for a commissioned podcast. Yeah, because and, and that, I'm renting something. I'm yeah. renting something, and there's no. I have no. I mean, we, we've thought about, like, I, it's been on our, like, big strategic board that, you know, this is a unique thing we could do. Like, when they have these pilots right. debut, we could go through and watch these five shows and have an opinion on it. and then, Yeah, and be the tastemakers on that kind of stuff. But. but the problem is, like, I don't know that there's value for guys that watch a pilot and opine on it and then never follow up or do anything with it because... We already well, have. I mean, that's that's kind of what Amazon is doing itself, right? When they do this pilot season, yeah, they're inviting people to have an opinion on the show, right? And to to give them that opinion. Yeah, so I like, feel it's, like it's kind of set up to do that. We can yeah. just get on there, we can watch a single pilot of for a show, and just say what we think of the show. And then if it comes back and we thought it was awesome, maybe continue from there. But I, I kind of like the idea of us, you know, getting into the pilot game because 
it's something that Amazon does that's sort of unique. Um, mm-hmm. Netflix never airs pilots before right. the show. Do you know why? I think it's because Netflix is the one that Amazon's chasing. Amazon. What do you Amazon mean? does what that this have to do with Netflix not doing it because Netflix doesn't feel like they need to. Amazon is doing this because they are trying to get a buzz around. Like they are like, please watch our shows and talk about it. Mm. Where Netflix is like, we got these shows, you're going to talk about it. Like it's it's the confidence of an established brand that is got a fire going that they're pouring gas on versus Amazon that's rubbing two sticks together and trying to make a spark. And again, right. I don't. That's an imperfect analogy because there's there there are fans they have a bit of but it in. And I, and I could be wrong on this, but I feel like that the Amazon stuff is not quite as big as the Netflix stuff in the way that Netflix stuff isn't quite as big as the HBO stuff. Mm. And I think it's funny that we haven't mentioned Hulu yet, which is kind of the other player who's trying to do the Netflix thing and well, it's cause, is failing as much as Amazon is. Well, we'll see because what I've seen Hulu do is make a bunch of first seasons of decent stuff and then having trouble following up on that. Yeah. We'll see if they do better with The Handmaid's Tale. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Hulu, I mean, is is Hulu behind Amazon? Probably, I guess. I don't know. But they yeah, had something they had, about they Hulu. Had a, they also had, in a way that I don't know that Amazon has ever had, they had a pretty consensus top ten show this year, if I'm looking across all mm-hmm. the different media outlets and them doing their year-end yeah. um, in, in Handmaid's Tale. Where Amazon, like Manhag has always talked about, it's like, oh, it's a really good show. Is it anybody's top ten? I don't think it's ever been. Top of the Lake uh, for Hulu season two. Is that making consistently people's top ten lists? I I, I haven't seen it. I've seen it on one. Who? <laughs> Andy Greenwald. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I know, um, I know you love him. Yeah, yeah no, he's my favorite. Uh I, I yeah I don't, I don't know I I don't know uh, but I but guess he, specifically but we haven't even talked the about the actual issue yeah. so well I mean the, how to deal with like Amazon Netflix kind of stuff is part of the issue but yes the movies this is a, this is a new thing that even so, like like as Netflix has started making movies and some of them yeah. like Gerald's Game Amazon's been making movies for a while 1922 were were pretty good and well received mm-hmm. um do we lump and do we lump them in with movies do we lump them in with tv um yeah it's tough um are they made for tv movies that's they, damning they with faint praise so you're saying like do we lump them in the drama category or some kind of secondary category like we do with movies currently because mm-hmm. we don't put any movies in contention for best drama right so we also don't so here's the here's the argument i guess um we don't separate comedies from drama and movies as a consequence no comedy will probably win a baldy in a movie category because we we have we have we have seen that no matter how good a comedy is when it goes up against the best of the dramas for whatever reason we assign those heightened emotions of drama better than side-splitting hilarious emotions of comedy. Sure. So we, and the same thing with like, why do we divide in a perfect world? You wouldn't divide best male and female actor, Mm -hmm. but in a world where the majority of the roles go like the, the, the juicy dramatic roles have traditionally gone to men. It seems unfair to, to make women run that gauntlet when, you know, in, in, a, in a world where 50-50 of the big hits have a male or female lead, 
then maybe we can stop doing that. We're a ways away from that. Com- like the same way we have to handicap comedy versus drama. It feels unfair, as, as good as Gerald's game is, to put it in a ca- category where you have $200 million blockbusters and... But but why can't it like Yeah, you said they're essentially made for T V movies, but but better quality. Yeah, like Moonlight last year, uh was an indie darling. I'm sure its budget was modest. I I wouldn't I'm talking out my ass, but if it was more than ten million dollars I'd be shocked. Its lead was the third or fourth banana on House of Cards. Mm-hmm. And, and he was the second villain on Luke Luke Cage. Like I, I think that that what I'm saying is Moonlight could have been a Netflix movie. It could have been an Amazon movie, but if it was, would it have won an Oscar? Because it also doesn't have that machine behind it. Yeah, I mean, I think it. And and since we're when since we're more of a fan critic cast than a professional cast, like we feed on that machine as much as anything. Because you, someone can make the best fucking movie of all time if it didn't have an advertising campaign where people started talking about it, and we started seeing it, we'd never watch it. Right. So I I don't I. I I really don't like again. Jailed's game, nineteen twenty two, great horror films. Um, they were great, released at a, a good time in the year. None of them are going to hit a top ten movie list, but like there'll come a day where they do. But I, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I really don't know what to do with them. It, it feels unfair to put them in yeah. television. It feels unfair to put them in the movies, and it feels right. It feels arbitrarily second class to call them made for TV movies. Well, I arbitrarily second class. I don't know because like. You made what I consider an apt comparison between us and professionals, right? We don't. We simply do not have the resources to make something that a professional studio could make. Right. So, in that sense, I don't think it's arbitrary. I think like the reason you have like you know in sports, amateur leagues and professional leagues is because the amateurs just don't have the the time or the money to devote all of their skills and resources to this one thing. So they're never going to be as good. It's just not possible. And I'm not saying you have to have a huge budget to make an amazing film. I'm simply saying the the you hurdle have have, there you have is to have so a studio behind easier. you to get to the Sundances, to get to the cans, to get to sure, like yeah, cause, cause to get it, the exposure. Yeah, right. Or um, it, or it goes nowhere. Yeah. So like, I don't know that it's an arbitrary decision to break up like big budget Hollywood movies versus like smaller budget Netflix, Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, made for TV kind of stuff, right? I, I feel like that might be warranted, warranted category. Yeah, um, the the made for streaming movie. Uh huh. Made for streaming. It just seems like, I mean, because Seven Wall was fighting that fight for a while. It feels like that he was trying to, or maybe I'm getting it's another credit. I'm getting it wrong, but he was trying to distinguish between like real, like, or maybe he was expressing frustration. People trying to do this, but he, the, there was this discussion about well. This Netflix stuff isn't television. Television is the television is things were televised over broadcast television, and and <laughs> and you know it's, hmm. a, it's a medium argument more than an art form argument. Like, is a photograph of a painting? Could you do you judge that differently than the painting I, itself? I feel like, like it should be a format argument, though. Yeah, like, like let's compare these as much apples to apples as we can, right? Right. If, it, now it gets blurry, and we'll maybe talk about that in a second. But if I can draw out a story and get so much more nuanced and detailed in a 10 hour production Mm -hmm. than an hour and a half production 
how are you going to ever compare those two? Well, that's the interesting thing why television is, has kind of won this primacy over movies of late because television used to self-handicap by saying, oh, shit, we can't tell these big, complex stories. Maybe a two-parter or a right. season cliffhanger because, Jesus Christ, someone tunes in in the middle of season three. They're going to be like, what the fuck is this shit? I don't understand what's going on. I'm going to check out. Whereas movies could tell a two to three hour story, which was two to three times more complex than a television show could possibly do. Right. Television of recently has said, well, fuck that. We can spend 72 hours telling our story. Yeah. Um, and now movies feel like. I mean, well, I, I, they're not. They're thin. almost handicapped by their format, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I say that movies are now, now movies are movies and television are just a different thing. Um, but n the knock on television is no longer it's a smaller screen for smaller people to go perform at. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't. That's why I say you're right. Like, it's, it seems dumb to me that you would decide to arbitrarily split broadcast television from cable television, from right. premium television, they're doing from the stream same television. fucking thing. Like, the and, medium well, I mean, that it's this... transferred to your eyeballs and ear holes yeah. shouldn't... Now, there's, like, there's a, but, but you could also make structural arguments where, like, well, just Netflix doesn't have big studio promotion money. And right. They can't get that's it into... That's where we come back to the made-for-TV kind of thing. Right. right, right. But that's not that that's not even talking about the quality of the thing. It's the quality of the promotional engine behind and it. And I just don't think that's true. I don't think there's the same divide between, like, made-for-TV movies as there is made-for-streaming TV Right. You know, like made for streaming TV is a big fucking industry now. It's enormous. Yeah. Um, and it's about to eclipse like made for broadcast television TV. Yeah. So like I I'm fully of the belief that if HBO didn't have to make their show for terrestrial TV, mm -hmm. they probably wouldn't. Hmm. They probably wouldn't. They just put it on their streaming service and say Hey, here's Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh no, totally. I think that you're, they want to do that. We're, they just we're, can't. Yet. We're witnessing, like you know, I've all, I've well, I've said this for years now that like there's some bean counter that has a yeah. scale in his office to second the revenue from HBO Go and HBO Now eclipses that from the 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 sweetheart deal they get from the the cable companies. Mm -hmm. They will. They'll go streaming only. I mean, yeah. wh why wouldn't they maximize their profits? No, they've been. Everybody's moving that way, and it's like. And you can see that with the budgets, right? Like the TV that is on streaming service is getting much, much better. The problem with that is it's it's not very customer friendly because, like, cord cutters are quickly finding if you want to watch everything, you either yeah. have to pirate the shit out no, of stuff this, or you uh, have to man. you have to pay five bucks for stars dot com. You know who wasn't surprised by that? You and I. Yeah, like we have right. talked about this shit for years. How it just becomes this a la carte right. version of what you're already doing, right? Yeah, no. You're, you're going to pay just as much. It's not cheaper and, to cut and, the cord. And, it's more and, convenient. And don't don't act like it's cheaper though. And with the dis dissolution of the concept of net neutrality, it's going to get even worse. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. Like there's been this like five year cord cutter nirvana, but and then that nirvana is largely fueled by piracy too, because people like everyone that I know is a cord cutter is a huge pirate. Everyone, everyone that I know that is, is like a vociferous cord cutter pirates the shit out of stuff on a regular basis. Now, they might not think they are. They mm. might have a jailbroken fire stick They're that using popcorn just TV magically yeah. serves up this professional-looking thing where it looks like it's all. But no, all that shit is pirated. Yeah. Uh, and that's it's like – more this is This reminds me of a lot like – this is just stuff – just the shit we went through with music. Mm-hmm. Like, you had Napster and fucking Kazaa 
And then the music industry got wise and was like, well, we'll just make it to where people can download this shit for 99 cents. It's right. weird that movies are kind of already there. Maybe movies need to be 99 cents. They need to stop being 399 for high def. Yeah. That's a tough sell when something costs you $200 million to make. Well, I mean, I, but yeah. Make your money in the, the luxury lounger reserved seating theaters. Yeah. And then make your profit on dollar streaming. Right, right. Because maybe so. I don't. I don't know. Because again, you know, I don't think you can make the piracy go away ever. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't seem like that's been the course of human history. But also, I believe that uh, you know we have to support art and artists, so the art and art can get made. So like, there's a yeah. middle ground here somewhere. Um, I don't know. At four at, at four bucks a pop, uh, people are still pirating pirating television shows and movies. So. Yeah, I mean, we just don't we don't know what to do necessarily with like Amazon and Netflix movies yet. Um, it's something we're thinking about for next year, I think. As far as like, this is something we're keeping all these go. Keep, we're keeping our eyes on it. Like, I, right. like, I'm gonna I'm gonna first worry when I see a Netflix movie and think, oh shit, that's got real top five potential. Yeah, for movies or television shows, mm-hmm. um, hasn't happened yet. Ah, notable exceptions. So these are things that we anticipate people asking, why didn't this get talked about on the Baldies? And we have uh, hopefully a pithy response. Uh, first up, Orange is the New Black. I watched the first three episodes of this, and it was a real-time telling of a prison riot in this women's prison that didn't feel at all like Orange is the New Black, and I just was out. Hmm. I was just out. Uh and I it was I wasn't even too busy to do it. It's more just like it. I I I kind of was on the fence last year, and this year I'm just like I'm done. I'm done, and I don't see it getting in anybody's even top twenty. So I don't feel I feel justified to that. Yeah. The Americans, I'm allergic to this television <laughs> show, and I haven't seen just it like in you like can't tell a kid years, you can't so. tell a kid with peanut allergies. Oh, just try the peanut butter fudge. It's so good. It's so right. it's it's so good. Just try folding up the body and stuffing it in the suitcase. It, it's 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 it's, it's delicious. I just I'm going to break out in hives and my ass will itch for a week and I'm just not going to do it. All right. I just dated the last time that I've watched the Americans. Right. By the way. Right. Uh, Twin Peaks. Ago. I completely ran out of time. I actually. This is my peanut allergy. <laughs> this is your, this is Jim's peanut allergy. I just I just ran out of time. I yeah. I made. Twin Peaks broke me. I was excited that I could get in because I thought it was like an eight season or an eight episode season with like your standard fifty minute runtime, and I it's like sixteen, David sometimes Lynch hour and a half long standard. episodes, and Game of Thrones hit, and 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 I and I and I, and I, fu- and I fucked that up because I really enjoyed. I did binge all or nearly all of the classic Twin Peaks series, mm-hmm. um, and this is getting consistent top ten buzz. I feel like yeah. it is. It's combination Even of exception. It's one of our biggest misses, um, and I. Uh, I know I couldn't get this guy to do it with me, but I had several passionate pin- Twin Peaks people that I respect and admire that would have done it with me. And I who are I, already podcasters and who's probably all, would have been already, great yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah, yep. I had some of the the, the Shankles. <laughs> I had uh, the Shane Bowmans. I had a couple others that I was looking forward to doing stuff with, and it just got away from me. Yeah, it hit like very soon after we did the commission podcast on Twin Peaks, and you yeah. had started watching through the original series. And yeah, because like, I'm going to was... power through a hundred hours of Twin Peaks. Yeah, and, and I did. I did. I, I powered, powered through, through like the original, thirty hours yeah. of of Twin Peaks, and then I got to like two or three episodes of the, and it just it just uh, uh, 
I'm going to watch it. It just yeah. isn't eligible for this Baldy because neither of us have seen enough of it to 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 have an opinion on it. Speaking Ma- of not having seen enough, Mindhunter. Yeah, Mindhunter. Uh, I watched the first ten minutes of that and I did not like what I saw. Yeah, it seemed like every other generic procedural this time with the negotiator. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. okay, what is special about this show? Right. Um, and I, gr- I grant you, I did not give it enough of a chance. Uh huh. But what I saw turned me off almost instantly. Yeah, and I had a similar reaction. I watched the first episode and it hit at the time at the part uh, part of the schedule where it would have had to really grab me by the nuts. Yeah. To continue on, and I didn't. So, but a lot of people talked about this like it did for them. Yeah. And I don't. I also I, I don't, don't understand it, but I don't something. like true crime. Like you know, that's kind of like, and also if I do like true crime, like it's it's one of those things where it's an occasional taste, like. Uh, I really liked True Detective. It's not true crime, first of all, but that uh, it kind of like scratched my my itch for a good long while. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not going to defend it. It's just like these are the notable exceptions. Yep. It's a great. Uh, it's 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 widely consensus top twenty, even some top ten pick. It just didn't grab us. So we didn't cover it. Uh, Godless. Same thing. It came real late in the season. I was super busy. It looked good. Um, I liked the concept of an of, of a, a, a female dominant cast in a Wild West setting. I love uh, fucking Prince uh, Princess Mary from Downton Abbey. Uh, it had the uh, the. It's the, amazing for a female, a quote unquote female centered show. How uh, non female centric this first episode was. Uh, oh, did you I watch the, the first, first episode? Yeah, oh. um, Eric this weekend said, "Hey, you need to watch Godless. It's awesome." Uh, so I checked out the the first episode. It's only like a seven episode mini series kind right. of thing. Did you um, like it? Limited engagement. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Okay, uh, but I was shocked at just how male centric it was. Huh. All <laughs> you've, right. you've essentially got one. Like, all, it's lead all marketed female. as like women kicking ass in the West. Maybe it gets. I think it's going to get more of that um, as the series goes on. But the pilot was definitely not that. The pilot was more the setup of here are. I wonder if it's kind of like this first episode of Fargo, where like if you didn't know anything about Fargo season one, you would think that the the dashing male sheriff was going to be the lead. Right. He's immediately killed, and then it's about it's Molly's Molly's show from there on out. Uh, the Crown. Uh, this is about the life of Elizabeth the the second. Um, I it's right up my alley. I just haven't had time to watch it. Uh, season three of Narcos. I wasn't as interested in because I was already super personally interested into the Pablo Escobar stuff. I'd already I I discovered that whole thing because I really liked Black Hawk Down and Mark Bowden, and then I read Killing Pablo, and I kind of and and also one of my favorite. Uh, Tom Clancy books is clear and present danger, which is kind of a fictionalized account of the CIA fucking around in uh, South America and the drug trade. And I was predisposed to that. And they went into season three was an entirely different, well, not entirely different. It was, a, it, but it was a different cartel from the Medellin cartel. Mm. I just wasn't as interested in it, but I've heard a lot of people say it's even better than the first two seasons because they got rid of, you know, blonde Barbie FBI agent and focused on, um, uh, Agent Pena, I believe is his name, which mm. is uh, Pablo Pascal. Is mm. that his name? Yeah. Yeah, Prince Oberon. And he was always the best part as far as the good guys in that show. So I need to give it a, t- check, a second uh, glance, but I didn't see it in 2017. It's got some real blast from the past potential. Dark. 
seen the first episode of that. This came out um, just before the holiday break, and I totally could have watched it, but I saw the first episode too, and... You know, like, because I, I thought it would really grab you in, like, a German existentialist, uh, <laughs> what's that uh, fucking, not triangle, pie? No, not pie. Uh, the time travel movie? Or their primer? S- primer. Yeah. It had a lot of primer vibe, too. Yeah, I, I mean, it With was a, an interesting setup. It's like, sure. it's, like a, it's like a teenage German Stranger Things version of primer, is what it felt like I don't me. understand the Stranger Things comparisons young honestly. kids in the woods fucking around i mean and, if that's as far and, as you're gonna go that, that's well, not why i like stranger things uh-huh because it's young kids in the woods fucking around no but it has that flavor it's got like it's like mm. there's you know like i think it and goonies and all those shows about young people getting into uh, over their heads and, and dealing with it and with with their limited understanding and skill set and heightened sense of emotion that's a genre I don't, I don't remember any of the goonies having like their father commit suicide and that kind of stuff well you don't know what happened at, you, don't, you don't know how that real estate thing all shook down that's if you fair. don't think sean austin's dad didn't eat a gun then uh when yeah. he got slapped at the taxes on on those jewels uh, uh and then mouth got some kind jewels, of crazy but... brain virus from holding that that stuff in his mouth that was like you know 300 year old corpse dust on it uh yeah anyway dark uh yeah it was so an you're interesting not in finishing dark it's an interesting setup i i don't i don't know maybe I have another i feel like i got another six weeks before bald move gets really crazy and i mm-hmm. probably will see i mean i'm gonna give dark another three or four episodes if it doesn't continue to grab me then then i'll be out yeah uh insecure i really was high on the first season insecure i just not had didn't have time to see the second season mm-hmm. which i've heard is excellent um Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a comedy that a lot of people love, and it's just a procedural comedy that I I don't know, man. Like, every time I watch an episode with my wife, I enjoy it, but not in the way, like, I, I just, my patience for conventional sitcoms, I like sitcoms that are fucking weird and out there and kind of make me think about things, like the BoJack Horsemans and the Lady Dynamites and the Always Sunny, or something like Always Sunny, which is just consistently... Tra- crazy fucking shockingly funny um parks and rec is about the only one in the last 10 years that was a conventional sitcom that i really dug yeah um so this is us i don't know a fucking thing about this show every single time i watch a trailer or a commercial i it looks like a schmaltzy uh network drama dramedy and i everyone says i'm wrong and, but yet my er, my will to watch it just continues to, to drop mm-hmm. and i you know if you want to hate me for it fine i don't care about that show yeah i haven't seen it it's like the good three. wife it's like i don't know any other sh- really highly rated show that i just didn't modern the good family. place probably should have been on this because that was apparently like a really great show this year um, that I just shit. It didn't even make the notable exceptions list. I know. Double dumbass on us. Well, we just forgot about Halt it. and Catch Fire. Why? Yeah. Did, why? Why did you let everyone down on this, Jim? Uh, it well, <laughs> I'll let everyone except a certain person down and just take all the blame for it. It was it was my fault. I I did not. I don't know. I didn't have the will to see through a Halt and Catch Fire podcast this year, even though last year was really great, and I hear this year was even better. Uh. It's a real shame that this is not in the drama category and that I have not seen this season because mm-hmm. I hear, like, it's the final season of the show, uh-huh. which 
it sucks that it's not going to get any recognition because I just didn't watch it, but what am I going to do? Uh, Fear the Walking Dead. I heard from multiple people whose opinions I respect that this is the best zombie show that's ever been on television. I need to hear that for like three years running before I'm even going to think about it. Well, guess who's come for season four? Scott Gimple. Mr. Scott Gimple's taking over creative show running duties, so I don't have high hopes for its continued future, but I'm kind of the same way. Uh, 1922 and Gerald's Game, I saw both of those. Jim didn't, um, and they were great. Uh, I thought they were they they were good Stephen King adaptations of his different novellas, and uh, I think 1922 is the better or scarier of the films. Uh, Holy shit, don't watch that film if you have any kind of fear of rodents or rats. Um, but they just, I don't think they're, well, they, they fall were, into the, they were the kind of lightweight, lightweight in that they, TV thing. Yeah. They, they, and, and they're, they're well-made, well-acted, uh, you know, well-written because it's, it's based on Stephen King, um, had great performances by Robert Greenbrier, whatever the fuck his name is. And Carla Gugina. And, uh, who's the dude that's on the, 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 the played the, the, private or the 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 detective on the expanse thomas jane mm, yeah really great performance by thomas jane in 1922 it's mm. just it was uh it, it's it's uh you know it's a it's a halloween scary scary time type of movie yeah and we don't it's a genre we don't genre have, films uh, that's the other thing that i guess we didn't talk about in the meta when we were talking about amazon netflix movies is we don't have a category for movies that we didn't cover yeah Right, is, like yeah, we have commissions and we have first run bald True. movies. It's not going to go in the drama category yeah, because it's going to lose. There's a, like if we're talking about movies, you're right. The, maybe these don't even belong here because like if you're talking about movies, notable exceptions, movies. Oh my god, there's like a dozen we probably right. should have watched and we didn't. And yeah. Movies that we did watch and we shouldn't have. So mm-hmm. uh, let's slide on down to the next category: blast from the past, which we formally called the boomerang category. These are TV shows or movies that came out. Not in 2017 that we didn't watch until 2017, so they're not eligible for anything except for us saying, that was a pretty good thing. Uh, The original run of Twin Peaks. uh, I did not watch it all. I used the different essential guides to watch essentially all of season one um, and about eight episodes from season two. And I really enjoyed it, and I was amazed how they went from a kind of northern exposure feel of an FBI crime investigation show to an all-out existential dread horror film by the end of season two. Uh, hmm. How they 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 bent that arc and and made it and made it work. And I had a lot of fun watching that show. And I'm glad people commissioned it, which which kind of sparked that thing happening. Um, my partner here. <laughs> did not feel any of those things. No. Uh but I'm glad I'm glad I got oh, to watch it. Oh, I felt it. the existential horror and dread. <laughs> That's what I said like one, for the same I want to live watch the season 2 finale just to see what the hell you think of it. Uh-huh. Um anyway, to Death Note, take it away. I I don't even know what this is. Oh yeah, this is the the anime from what 2006, 2007. Uh my girlfriend got me into it last year and we watched a lot of it um not all of it though uh so i don't know how it ends but they i guess the reason it's on here is because they made also a netflix movie based on it this year which i think we're going to talk about at some point but i don't know i i like 
the concept, and I think the anime actually deals with it in a pretty interesting, nuanced way, um, which I don't typically think of anime doing. But oh, hmm. uh, I, I'm I'm an anime novice, so the stuff I've seen is probably not the like best of anime. Um, but yeah, Death Note for people who don't know is uh, a story where there's a book where you write somebody's name in it and they die. And you can define how they die, you can define when they die, or what they do before they die, stuff like that. And this kid finds it. Um, he's a high school student. And, oh, Jesus. Yeah. And he's he's like a genius, too. Um, and then he... A misunderstood genius? Um, is he made... Is he, no, is, is he, I, th- is I think he... He probably becomes misunderstood eventually, or would say that he's misunderstood <laughs> well, yeah. once he starts using the Death Note. Um, but no, at first he's just a pretty normal kid who mm. sees a lot of fucked up shit in the world and thinks he can help. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely worth a watch. Okay. Uh, War Dog. Wait, no, no. A Very, very Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. So my wife and I went through and we watched a lot of Christmas stuff. That's kind of our thing to do during Christmas. That's everyone's thing to do. Mm. And we found this gym that I was dimly aware of from 2015 uh, the conceit is Bill Murray is doing this Christmas extravaganza during the weird summer or the, the fall or the winter hurricane slash blizzard that gripped New York City and the power's out and no one's coming and he's having a a crisis, a uh, career crisis. And it's set in this like dimly lit diner in his apartment and there's a fantasy sequence in a studio where they get to do some larger splasher stuff. And it's just, it's just a lot of, if you, if you have any affection for Bill Murray at all, mm. you should watch this at Christmas time. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's one of the greats. Uh, it also added the song, the, 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 uh, the R and B funk song, Santa, Santa Claus needs some lovin' uh, to Cecily and I's, uh, Christmas, Christmas, uh, does. uh, uh, music list. It's lonely up there at the North pole. Uh, uh, my finger was hovering over the play button on a very merry Christmas. You should. It, it was a good time this season, but I did time. not watch it. Uh, War Dogs. Oh yeah, this is um, Jonah, Jonah Hill's Hill. Lord of War is what I assumed it was going to be. Essentially, yeah. And I liked Lord of War a lot. That's a that's a really good movie, and this one I would say is a little bit more fun than Lord of War. Hmm. Um, it, it's more of a comedy. Okay, because Lord, Lord of War is a dark comedy for sure. This is too, um, but I think there are more laughs in it. Um, and it's essentially the story about like this guy who is sort of down on his luck and trying to provide for his family, and he is not very good at sales, but he teams up with a guy who is um, and who kind of has all these contracts, but who is this total loose cannon, Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. You might recognize him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get this like huge government contract to uh, sell weapons, essentially, or deliver weapons, and they 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 start like selling some guns on the side and they do a lot of, they make a lot of big mistakes to um, the kind of lead them down the road of selling arms to people that probably they shouldn't be selling arms to and being in scenarios that they would rather not be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if you're looking for a, I don't, I mean, it's what if it's there's all an arms dealer fun. that goes to bed at night and think, "Man, I sold all the right weapons to all the right people this year." No, nobody. I feel good about every every explosion and bomb and right. bullet that was fired. Yeah, I, I made I money doubt from it. Um, they probably Jonah don't Hill think about in this movie is as close as it gets to that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I don't know. It's a good time. 
I, I really enjoyed it. And if you're looking for something in the vein of, of Lord of War, but a little funnier, I think War Dogs is it. Uh, Judge Dredd? Man, I watched the original Judge Dredd again. I did not like that movie. That's I a bad, bad movie. Surprised you hear that, to hear you say that, because if I recall, Rob Schneider is terrible in it. But I actually really enjoyed Stallone's Judge Dredd. Um, the way he would like just chew out, like like spit out the words like when he's talking to his gun. He's like armor piercing, and he do so. I thought he made a really good Judge Dredd. It's kind of a Pierce Bronson effect. Like he was a very very good Judge Dredd that had a mediocre cash in attempt at the I, license. Sure, yeah, I can I can get behind that assessment of it. I just think it's. Man, you need to go into that movie looking to make fun of a movie to huh. have a good time because that movie is bad. Okay. It's just bad. I mean, the dialogue is bad. The scenarios are bad and stupid. It's got Rob Schneider in it. It's all bad. Do you think people would like the new Dread as much if Judge Dread didn't exist? Because I felt like I was... So I had never seen the original Judge Dread until this year. Okay. So like, you I'm thought, convinced oh, Okay, of okay. Because I, I, I've often wondered that because Judge Dread, as much as I like... Uh, Stallone was not a great movie. No. I don't think it's as bad as you're saying it is, but then again, <laughs> it's been five, six years since I've seen it. Uh-huh. Whereas I thought Dread was just amazing, but Dread was, was it because awesome. of the contrast? Like, I was thinking that it would be this sh- silly stuff. Like, oh, shit, this is a, mm. a deadly, serious, well-done Judge Dread movie. Um, so you're you're the good control for that. Yeah, I hadn't seen Judge Dread before I saw Dread. And you really liked and Dread. I really liked Dread. I think okay. it, it was more like a style thing. I yeah. think Dread was really cool because of the style mostly yeah. but it also didn't have a bad story so do you think this makes it into the main the main show i'm starting to think that the boomerang is like uh like boomerang and meta like this is stuff that's probably not, not even going to be talked about in the actual award show right i don't think we got to rank these okay um, yeah i hope not it's really tough to rank the we are they're ranked the boomerang it's, stuff it's just because, a, it's just the the thing the order i typed them in right yeah and how are we going to rank stuff that you haven't seen this sure. year and I haven't seen this year? These, and... these are just things that didn't fit in that we saw, and I guess yeah. I don't know. Uh, no ranking required. 